This is The Winner's Take with host Nelson Rowley Raisbeck and professional sports handicapper Dave Essler. Welcome into Winner's Take. As always, I'll be your host, Nelson Rowdy Raisbeck, joined by professional sports better Dave Essler. You want to get any of our content, you can find me on Twitter at Rowdy underscore Razor or Dave at Dave underscore Essler, or you can find some of his work at pregame.com. So we're going to be running through one podcast this week, some college football, NFL. We'll break down a few games of each. We'll run through some leans. Maybe we'll look at the market. Dave, we've officially had, we're in college football season. We're through NFL week one. Now it's uh, really time to get into the season, time to start running. Yeah, it is, but it's also time to not overreact. I mean, this is, in the NFL, it's, and to a certain extent, college football, because a lot of teams are played nobodies in the first week or two, and and everybody will base their opinions and make their bets based on what they saw in week one or week zero or, Last week in the NFL, I think that might might end up being a mistake. We'll see. Well, I'm glad you brought up don't overreact because that that's kind of some of the um, opinions I have on on a few of these games we're going to look at. And I think just right out of the shoot, let's jump right into college football. Uh, first game we're going to look at here, it's LSU at Mississippi State. Now, currently this line is LSU favored by nine with a total of 54 and a half. Uh, Dave, what were you thinking for this one? Yeah, I mean, the Bulldogs have won a couple of games under our net without Leach. And, you know, honestly, I, I, Leach should be a huge motivation. I, I don't know if he is. He should be. Um, but they're still far from a serious threat. If you look at that Arizona game last week where they totally pissed away a fourth-quarter lead only to win in overtime. But that was the first real team they played. Uh, and they did get four interceptions. So, you know, let's not overreact to do I really know who LSU is? I mean, they they let FSU completely control the clock, which is what the Bulldogs here have to do to avoid getting blown out. Uh, and I think they do that at least well enough to keep this game under. So Dave's looking at the under here. I looked at this game, Dave, and I felt like, to your point on Mississippi State, it's like, yeah, they're 2-0, and but Arizona's not necessarily some great Pac-12 team. And that was a close game overtime. I know they had turnovers, but still, you're turning the football over to a lesser Arizona team. I just feel like after that Florida State loss, a ton of people have jumped off that LSU bandwagon, and those were the same people that were taking them to make the college football playoff or that were taking them to be a a, a really good SEC team. I feel like that that bandwagon's gone. I I was looking at LSU minus the nine and a half. It feels like nobody's on this bandwagon when Florida State might be a team in the college football playoffs. And it it was a close game last year. And Florida State brought more guys back than LSU did. And LSU's defense is, is young and figuring it out. I feel like this is a team that's being disrespected. Give me LSU minus the nine and a half. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I could get to Mississippi State, but you know, like I said, we don't know who they are yet and how they respond to adversity. Let's see. So that was our first college football game. Looking at our second game here, it's going to be another 11 o'clock game. This one actually a old rivalry, but now a Big 12 SEC. Going to look at Kansas State traveling to Missouri to take on the Tigers. Right now, Kansas State looks like, well, this one's been all over here, Dave. Looks like it could be around four right now. Kansas State is favored. Total of 47 and a half. Uh, this one's pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, just based on what the market's doing, I'd almost have to blindly take Missouri. I mean, I don't, I don't recommend that, but 
the overwhelming majority of people want to fade him. And the market's clearly heading in that direction. You know, the work would lead me to Kansas State. The market is speaking pretty loudly. I, I think this one's about Brady Cook. He's been doing pretty good things this season. And after last year, uh, they lost 42 to 10 uh, to K-State. I, I think Drinkowitz is on the, the very hot seat. And if there's one game they need to play well in, it's this one. So I would hold my breath and, and take the points at home. Yeah, I gave this one out earlier on the morning show early in the week, and I actually liked Missouri, gave them out at plus five. But yeah, since then, this this line has been going pretty crazy because to your point, going through this game, you would think that Kansas State got an upgrade with Will Howard at quarterback, at least it appears so, and that offense is, is scoring more points. They went through the first two games this season, and they were covering machines looking great. Missouri, on the other hand, I mean, they played two lesser teams in South Dakota and Middle Tennessee State, and it wasn't very impressive, and they didn't cover a single game. You don't really understand why anyone would actually want to bet on Missouri. You know, dig into it a little bit more. Missouri did return a ton of guys, ton of starters, eight from each side of the football this year, more than Kansas State. And the fact that this is an old rivalry, this is an old Big 12 rivalry, I think that means a little bit of something because it hasn't been, you know, revisited in years. And then, like you said, when that market started going towards Missouri, there's nothing that would point me in the way of Kansas State. It feels like a trap. That's why I gave out Missouri at plus the five. Now, again, seeing it as low as Kansas State minus three and a half. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. That's why I said I'm going to hold my nose and 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 take Missouri. But, you know, I was higher on Missouri offseason than maybe some people were. Maybe, they, maybe, they're, maybe they're better than we think they are. We'll find out. My money will find out. Well, looking at another college football game here on Saturday, going to go to the Louisville Cardinals traveling to Indiana to take on the Hoosiers. But this is technically going to be a neutral site game, though it's going down in Indianapolis. I look at this game currently, it's Louisville, depending on where you look, it's Louisville 10 and a half, 10. You got a total of 50 and a half right now. Uh, Dave, what are you thinking between the Louisville Cardinals and the Indiana Hoosiers? Yeah, do I really know who Louisville is? I mean, no, not after falling behind at Georgia Tech big time uh, and allowing the Yellow Jackets to have a balanced offense with almost 500 total yards. I mean, that was that was shocking to me. And in that game, Louisville was one for 11 on third downs. You know, the Hoosiers hung around against Ohio State. They're not going to line up the scoreboard. Uh, but they'll have the best defense Louisville's seen, which really precede, precludes me from taking the Cardinal. I, I know Brom knows Indiana, and Indiana knows Brom. Uh, Indiana's lost four of the last five in that oak and bucket series there. But, you know, I, I think – I don't know that I can go so far as to say they win this one. Uh, I'd be surprised if it was high scoring and the total has already come down a bit. So uh, there'll be company on the under. But, you know, the Hoosiers may not win, but that's a generous amount of points. I, I lean Indiana there. Yeah, actually, I bet this game earlier this week and got Louisville at 9.5. So now that it's sitting there at 10, 10.5, I have a pretty good spot there value-wise. But I looked at it, and obviously Jeff Brom is going to know Indiana, being the fact that he was the Purdue coach for a while. Big rivalry, you mentioned that. But I think one key thing here is is Louisville, that offense has looked decent, but it's not like Jeff Brom is starting over. He brought some of his Purdue guys, including the quarterback and plumber, over there, so there is a familiarity. And I went back and looked at what uh, Purdue and Brom had done against Indiana, you mentioned how it's kind of been one-sided. Purdue kind of whooped up on Indiana. Well, Indiana didn't return a ton of players, and 
Jeff Brom always put up points. So I think if you can find Louisville under the 10 points, so the nine and a half, I do like that. And I think a Louisville team total over might be a play in this one. Well, we kind of disagree on that one, but I'm not a big 10 kind of guy and you are. So we should, we should, we should just bet. Will you give me 10 and a half? See, that's the thing. I like it at nine and a half. That's a yes or a no question. I like it at nine and a half. I would think about it at 10 and 10 and a half feels like I would probably be either on your side or stay away. So I'll take that as a no. So yes, I don't, I don't want to give you 10 and a half. I would give you 10. All right. I'll take it. (laughs) All right. There we go. Dave's on Indiana plus the 10 points. But how about this for a neutral site game? It's technically a neutral site game, but it's in Indianapolis, Indiana which obviously is is closer to Bloomington than it is Louisville. But still, it's not like it's that far to travel for Louisville fans. And Indiana football hasn't really, I guess they had their 2020 year, but there was no fans then. You know what I mean? I don't know how much of a home field you would really give Indiana on this one. Probably not. And, And truth be told, I would think that that turf there would favor Louisville a little bit there and their speed. But I'm not scared. He's not scared, and he's not scared to lay the juice. Looking at another college football game here, we have the Pittsburgh Panthers traveling to West Virginia to take on the Mountaineers. And right now here, Dave, looking at this one, this is another interesting one. Uh, Currently, you have West Virginia favored by one and a half, and there is a total of 47. Ooh, actually, it just moved. West Virginia now favored by two and a half, total sitting there at 47. Another one kind of like that uh, Missouri game. The number's moving all over here. Well, my first question was, you know, were you on drugs when you sent me this game? I mean, like, nobody outside of coal mining areas cares. Um, It'll probably be on ESPN 7. Um, I'll take West Virginia because that pit loss to Cincinnati, that was way worse than the score indicated. Other than that, they played Wofford. Um, it's West Virginia's fourth game. Uh, they probably got it a little more figured out. Um, this, I think this is as good as it's going to get for West Virginia all season. So I am uh, I'm on board with the Mountaineers as, as hard as that is to say. The reason I got I brought this game up and put it on the list is because, again, it was another one that I gave out earlier this week, but it was when West Virginia was a one-and-a-half-point dog because I remember watching this game last year, and it was a high-scoring back-and-forth game between Pitt and West Virginia, and it was in Pitt. And I think the final score was like 38-31, to 31, Pitt won. Not a ton of defense being played, but one of the things that I remember watching some West Virginia football was – JT Daniels was the quarterback then, and I know a lot of people were high on him when he entered college, but let's be honest, he transferred 100 times because he's just not that good. And then you have Garrett Green, who came in at at quarterback at the end of the season, dual threat. They played so much better with Garrett Green. I feel like there's a revenge factor here for West Virginia. It's a night game in Morgantown. They're probably going to be burning couches. It's going to be a big-time atmosphere for West Virginia I think they'll have a little bit of a boost so now that I'm thinking about it you know I like West Virginia maybe even take West Virginia in the first half too because they'll have a little bit of energy with that night game and the fans behind them I'm very possible what what I'll see what they're giving us for a first half line yes minus one and a half so you're probably right just take them on the money line in the first half at minus 130 you can get yeah, that's an interesting game, though, Dave, because I think uh, West Virginia opened because this was one of the games I gave out on Monday. They opened at one and a half or it was at least one and a half Monday morning. 
and now it's it moved to uh, they are favored by one and a half and now up to two and a half. So clearly somebody likes West Virginia. I like West Virginia. It sounds like we all like West Virginia now. Which oftentimes doesn't end well, but it is what it is. I mean, sometimes the obvious ones are the right ones. So, Dave, just a question for football in general here. When you see a Missouri game or you see a West Virginia game where the line has done some funky things or is really moving, what are your initial thoughts? Let's see how this ends up or, ooh, I'm missing something or I need to jump on this now. Like, what do you normally think? Because the Missouri game, all of a sudden, a lot of people are thrown in on Missouri. And then with the West Virginia game, West Virginia goes from being a small dog to a small favorite. Yeah, they're, they're all different, Rowdy. I mean, you know, if you want to talk about the Missouri game, I look at it and I say, well, shit, I'm really glad I don't have uh, I don't have Kansas State right now because that would make me a little concerned. But as I said, every game's different, you know. I mean, that one was dramatically different because the work would all say Kansas State, but somebody knows something a lot more than I do, apparently. Uh, for this game, you know, I agree with it. I I. I first looked at it when you sent it to me, and I went, well, West Virginia's going to win that game. I, I could never make an argument for Pittsburgh. So, you know, right off the bat, I kind of agreed with it. And a lot of that also depends on sort of when in the cycle that happens, i.e. these lines come out Sunday nights. And it always moved a little bit. Most people are at the ready with their numbers. And if they see what they want, they're going to bet it right away. But, you know, also remember at that early in the betting cycle, it doesn't take a lot of money to move a line. So... You know, here we are on a Thursday. Uh, a move like that would mean a whole lot more on a Thursday than it would have on a Sunday night or a Monday. We're seeing movement in both of those games this morning, so uh, probably something to pay attention to. Absolutely, but, you know, that's we could debate that forever, whether you just, you know, totally go by your work, totally go by your model, follow the market. That's why you look at 50 or 60 games on a Saturday. So if something does move, you have an inkling as to why. There is no blanket statement I could make that I always do this or I never do that. You know, they're all different. And then if something moves and you didn't get the best number, you have to decide whether, well, do I want to take the worst number and, and make a little bit less of a plus EV bet? And, you know, that's just the, that's the human factor in there. And for me, that that is probably more difficult than anything else I do. When I get upset at myself for missing something, I can still jump on it at what I think is, is a good number, but money-wise, market-wise, it's not. Um, so, yeah, um, you know, I have to decide, do I want to do I want bet it or do I just want to pass? And then I watch it play out and I say, I should have bet it, or I'm like, oh, man, I was so wrong. I'm glad I got that money still in my account. Well, that'll do it for our college football site. We'll revisit a little bit of college football here at the end. But, Dave, looking at some of the NFL games here that we picked out, a noon kickoff here Sunday, we have the Seattle Seahawks traveling to Detroit. Currently Detroit favored by four and a half, another line that's been moving quite a bit here in the last 24 hours with a total sitting around 47. Uh, what are you thinking for the Seahawks-Lions game? Well, I was going to ask you again if you were on drugs with this game. I mean – you know, Geno Smith mo looked more like the Geno Smith trying to run the Jets offense last week. He had 112 yards passing, and as a team, they had 180 total yards. I mean, I get that the Rams' defense is above average, but come on, man. I mean, that's that's bad. And Yeah, the Lions have the extra rest, yada, 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 no big secret. Uh, but they have the better quarterback, they have the better defense, and probably the better coach. Uh, and the market seems to think the Seattle might rebound on the road a little bit. I think Seattle's going back to obscurity. 
I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth, even if it turns out to be the Trojan horse. I'm not going to overthink it. Um, yeah, I know Kansas City wasn't what we expected, but I, I think Seattle is. I, I like the Lions. Well, well, Dave thinks I've been doing a lot of drugs here lately. But the reason I put this on is because I found it interesting. It was because, obviously, you look at it, Detroit was going to have the extra prep, so you would think advantage Detroit. But then you would think, well, the Seahawks, from what they were last year, and you hear some of the media reports saying, hey, this is a young, fast team, and they're they're looking to you know be even better with Geno Smith coming back here. Are they going to rebound after a pretty embarrassing loss week one to a Rams team that I know some people were higher on, but the general public didn't think the Rams would be very good. So I was interested to see how this played out. And the fact that it was the Seahawks, you know, as six-point dogs, now all of a sudden it's moving more and more money coming in on Seattle. I found it interesting because when I see that Detroit had the extra prep and on paper, I like Detroit's quarterback as a more steady quarterback than Geno Smith. I couldn't get to many things that wanted me to get to Seattle and then still the line was moving that way. And I'm pretty sure both of Seattle's tackles are now out for this game. So one of the things that I looked at was actually Geno Smith rush yards potentially over because he might be running for his life. And if the game script calls for them to be behind, there's going to be a lot of potential uh, dropbacks where he might have to run. And then the other one was this is a rematch from last year where it was like 40-some to 40-some. I don't think we're going to get that type of scoring. The total sitting there at 47, 47 and a half. Felt like this might be one where you look at last year's and you look at some potential bounce backs, you would think that that total would be higher. It's probably low for a reason. So I would go Geno Smith rushing yards and probably under the total. I would probably just throw down on the Lions in the first half. I mean, it's their first home game. They come in beating the Chiefs, yada, yada, yada. Um, You know, maybe Seattle could do something at some point. But, you know, you said they're a young, fast team. I'd rather have an old, slow team that's smart rather than a young, fast team that's stupid and Seattle kind of looked stupid last week. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm not buying all that. I'm not buying the market on this one. Well, looking at our next NFL game, we have the San Francisco 49ers not traveling too far, but headed to LA to take on the Rams. Uh, right now you have San Francisco favored, depending on where you look seven and a half, eight with a total of 44 and a half. Uh, Dave, what were you thinking for this West coast matchup? There's a couple of things going on here. I mean, too much is going to be made of the Rams winning in Seattle with ease, and too much is going to be made of San Francisco blowing out Pittsburgh, basically with their defense. Um, It's a division road game. I think it's too many points to be given the Rams. I mean, that's where the value is. You know, we're basing this off the way the Rams performed last season with four different starting quarterbacks and allowed 59 sacks, and I think they threw 16 touchdowns and 15 interceptions. They've learned to play without Cooper Cup. They had some guys step up big. They got wide receiver depth. Uh, I think these teams know each other all too well. I'll, I'll take the points. Yeah, that's why I put this one on here, Dave. I wanted to talk about just that that side. Like when I saw it, and especially when it – I think the look ahead was at five, if I remember correctly, and then it opened at six, and now obviously bet right up to eight. I know that the 49ers look dominant, and everyone's talking about how – you know, Purdy looked pretty good. This is probably the best team in football. But the Rams went in there, and I mean, I don't think many people thought that they would go out there and do what they did to Seattle in Seattle. So I get where you would upgrade the 49ers, but I feel like you have to upgrade 
the Rams quite a bit too. And you mentioned it. This team's actually healthy. Stafford is healthy. Some of the guys on defense are healthy. I know Cooper cup isn't healthy, but they've shown that. I don't know. Some of those slot guys, maybe it's, maybe it's actually Sean McVay's system that makes Cooper cup that good. So I'm with you. I felt like this was an overreaction to the 49ers looking as good as they are. It's an interdivision matchup. Sean McVay is still Sean McVay. Him and uh, Shanahan know each other pretty well. I thought, especially at seven and a half, eight points felt like way too much. I'm with you. I I'm uh Rams are nothing on this end. So looking at our next NFL game, uh, it's actually going to be the Sunday night game. We're going to look at the Miami dolphins headed to Foxborough to take on the new England Patriots. Currently Miami favored by three total sitting right around 46 and a half. Dave, what are you thinking for Sunday night football between the dolphins and Patriots? Yeah, I mean, these are two teams I know really well. And I think some people will see how well the Patriots performed against the Eagles after falling behind so far and and basically gifting the Eagles a bunch of points. I think that might have been somewhat situational and that Belichick had months to prepare for the Eagles. uh, And it was TB12 night. So, you know, the, the thing is, Miami almost always plays the Patriots tough. And that includes all the Patriots' dominant years. So I'm not ready to just jump on the Patriots. And people see what the Dolphins offense did at LA last week, but they forget what the Dolphins defense did not do. Uh, so I love this one to go over, you know, Brian has opened up the playbook and, and, you know, Belichick can game plan uh, for Tyreek Hill, but if he does that waddle just goes off. I, I think Miami has too many weapons not to score. I don't think Miami will be overly prepared for the sort of new look Patriots offense, if you will. I don't love primetime games to go over, but I think this one will. Yeah, I think I'm going to disagree with you here. I was looking kind of at the under. And the reason being was you mentioned how Belichick had all, you know, all offseason to get ready for the Eagles. And the offense, if you remember back to the last podcast we did, I said I leaned with the the Patriots team total over. Well, that was sitting at 20 and a half. They landed on 20. So technically that would have been a loser. But they were relatively right there up to, you know, expectations with this new offense. I feel like Belichick will have a good grip on the Dolphins here. Sees him all the time. Saw him twice last year. You know, kind of understands what Daniel is as a coach. That offense wasn't necessarily as good as I thought it would be, though it's it wasn't bad. And just the fact that it, it is a Sunday night primetime game, they know each other well. It felt like with the Dolphins playing as well as they did in the shootout that they got into and that the Patriots offense was at least average, it felt like that total was was probably a little lower than I figured. So I, I felt like it was low for a reason and I'd probably play it under. Yeah. Well, I think what I'll probably end up doing is taking the uh, Patriots. And I think I did this last week too. I'll take the Patriots in a teaser with someone earlier in the day that I feel pretty confident with. And, you know, then for argument's sake, I'll, if, if the first leg wins, I'll take the dolphins on the money line. And again, it's just sort of a correlated money, but it has nothing to do with how I handicapped the game. Um, but I think that'll be a great game. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like you would you would anticipate maybe that total would have been a little higher, and especially with how good the Dolphins' offense looked. And I know some people are really high on the Chargers, that maybe the Dolphins, you could have seen the total being higher and the Dolphins favored by a little more. Yeah, I mean, the fact is they're not going to make the Patriots a bigger home underdog than they already are. And that's just the way it is. I mean, it's kind of like the, I don't know, I, I don't have the NFL screen up in front of me, but there's a lot of those out there that you kind of almost know where that line's going to be. I mean, they're not going to favor the Patriots over 
you know, because everybody's so low on New England and, you know, everybody saw what Miami did last week on the road in the West Coast. Um, they're not going to make the Patriots favorite. They're not going to make them more than three-point underdogs at home. So I think that's one where I would just pretty much ignore what the market says because that's just – I think that's going to end up being wrong. Now moving to Monday night football, we're going to take a look at the Cleveland Browns headed to Pittsburgh. Right now, the Browns are actually favored by two and a half points over the Steelers with a total of 38 and a half. Uh, Dave, what were you thinking for Monday night football? Because I have a pretty strong opinion on this one. I think everybody does. I, I think everybody will be on the Browns. I know the Steelers game last week was against a, a pretty stout 49er defense, but the Steelers and Pickett looked awful. And now they're missing Deontay Johnson. And, you know, Pittsburgh only ran the ball in that game 10 times. And I don't know that that changes this week. Uh, the Browns defense is one I thought had overperformed the last couple of years. But after what I saw last week, I rescind that. They're good. Uh, I think they're division opponents, of course, but, you know, they haven't played a whole lot of games with, with Deshaun Watson uh, under center, and I'm still not ready to anoint him. Um, but I certainly don't have the balls to take the Steelers. I think that uh, Cleveland wins that game without a whole lot of fanfare. Well, we're going to have another disagreement. I'm on the Steelers here. I just I feel like this is a total overreaction from the first game. I feel like you couldn't get – you couldn't have – a more different outcome for these two teams like the Steelers yeah they got punched in the mouth and it just you know it really unraveled for them against San Francisco that was an awful game Kenny Pickett hadn't looked that bad since early in his rookie year flip side for the Browns I mean the Browns went out there and beat up on a Bengals team but Joe Burrow hadn't been practicing he had a bad calf you know the contract distractions I guess it was a big issue for Cincinnati and Deshaun Watson looked a little more comfortable, looked a little bit better than he did last year, knocking off the rust. But I went back and looked at the end of last season when these two teams played each other, when, you know, Pickett was starting to play better and Deshaun Watson had played a handful of games. Steelers were favored by two and a half at home then. I don't really think there's been a whole lot of changes since then. I mean, obviously both teams have added a little bit, but no crazy, you know, outstanding pieces here or there. And now because of that one game, Cleveland's now favored by two and a half. I don't think Kenny Pickett can play any worse. And I saw the news where the the Browns put their tackle on IR. TJ Watt is back and 100% healthy. I feel like he is going to give Deshaun Watson that Cleveland Brown line fits, especially with a starter out. And I just don't think the Steelers can play any worse. I know that Tomlin, you know, is really good as a dog and coming off of losses at the home game, you are, you know, playing an interdivision foe you're familiar with. I actually uh, went back and looked. The last time the Steelers lost to Cleveland in Pittsburgh was 2003, and Tommy Maddox was the quarterback. And, and to the same point, that was a Roethlisberger, the good version, the old version, uh, Pickett that was I think Duck Hodgins like there was a there was a lot of quarterbacks that weren't necessarily great that were in their post Ben Roethlisberger so fact that they haven't lost since 2003 I like the Steelers plus the points getting uh points at home yeah 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 all good things come to an end I mean I drank the Kool-Aid last week about Pickett and the Steelers offense in the preseason but that was preseason against other preseason rosters you know i know he looked awful but that was god awful and i'm afraid that uh, i just don't see it not without deontay johnson i mean cleveland's run defense is solid i just don't see it i i can't get there i mean 
Steelers couldn't, wouldn't, didn't run the ball last week. I don't think they will this week. It's all on picket, and I'm, I'm not sure without Deontay Johnson he can get it done. Well, that'll be it for our NFL slate of games here this week. Uh, if you want to find any of our content, you can find me on Twitter at Rowdy underscore Razor. You want to find Dave, it's at Dave underscore Essler. Or you can find some of his work at pregame.com. Uh, Dave, any of the uh, markets that you've been looking at, maybe a little bit of a market report or, or things to keep an eye on, whether that be NFL or college football? Well, if anybody gets this in the next seven hours, I think Navy plus two touchdowns is a good bet. Um, well, let me see. Um, look, look, you know, I like a little bit here is Eastern Michigan over UMass. I mean, you're up there, but that's a team that I think is flying a little under the radar in the Mac. Uh, I like New Mexico over New Mexico state, a little pissed. I didn't take them against an FCS team. They crushed them last week. Uh, what else looking down here? Oregon state will pound the shit out of San Diego state. You can take the San Diego state team total under. For the rest of your mortgage, I think Georgia and South Carolina actually goes over. Uh, no love lost there. If Georgia can run it up, they probably will. Uh, and Rattler's been playing just well enough to get him into the end zone a couple times. Um, I don't know. Washington, Michigan State, that's an ass load of points. And I think that, you know, obviously the Michigan State uh, program football, well, everywhere is under a little bit of scrutiny right now. Um, but I would be inclined to take the Michigan State team total under in that one. Florida, Tennessee is an interesting one. Um, Tennessee just never does well in Florida. I would be hard-pressed to, but I do lean Florida there a little bit. Uh, I think Syracuse gives Purdue what they deserve. Um, and I'll just – we won't even talk about Colorado um, because that line is so inflated it isn't even funny. But how inflated does it need to be before people will take Colorado State? Uh, never. Um, but that's pretty much all I got looking at the – looking at the board right now yeah to your point with the colorado i was actually looking at potentially sneaking in last second and playing colorado state because to your point it's probably pretty inflated with all that hype and then of course colorado state coach had to come out this morning and say when he talks you know to people he likes to have his uh, his hat off and his sunglasses off and it just feels like Deion sanders is going to take that personal and i could see him really rubbing it in and if they wouldn't have made that comment, I would have felt more comfortable with that play. But it felt like if they're that much better and he did take that personal like he's shown the last couple of weeks to to make it personal, that could be an, a drubbing for Colorado State. Now, there are a couple of big dogs that I were I had my eye on that I might end up playing. The first one was Central Michigan against Notre Dame. Notre Dame had to go to, to NC State for a bigger matchup. And then they have Central Michigan smack dab between them and, and Ohio State. And that's a rematch from last year in which Notre Dame defense looked decent, but the offense was off track. And we all know that it's, you know, Notre Dame, Ohio State. That's going to be all eyes. If, you, if I could get 35 on Central Michigan, it's currently at 34 and a half. I might pull that trigger. And then the other one, it's actually Big Ten team. I know Western Michigan isn't good, but I was favored by over four touchdowns and they don't score four touchdowns. Like they've been struggling to score 25 points needed for Brian Ferentz to keep his job. That line is Iowa minus 28 and a half. I could see that being a 28 to nothing game. I, I just don't think Iowa can outscore anybody by 28 and a half. Um, I don't know enough about that game to really comment. Um, that's all you, the, the Notre Dame one scares me only from, the standpoint of 
You know, they can name the score if they want to. Uh, and do they want to? Because they're a team that they could use some style points. You know, they don't want to get dinged for for a win in 41 to 7. I mean, they may well do that. Um, but I would I would stay away from that game. If I was going to play it, uh, I would probably play the under. I, I, I'm with you. I don't think Notre Dame will roll it up. Uh, and or I would play the Central Michigan team total under. Uh, or even the first half team total, if you can find that. A lot of books offer that. So I, I'm inclined to agree with you there. Uh, the Iowa game, yeah, the, the logic makes sense. But, you know, sometimes those Iowa spreads and totals are are like they've gone way too far. So, you know, maybe maybe the defense gets a couple up. I'll, I'll stay away from that one. But, yeah, that was just a few bigger dogs that caught my eye. Uh, That'll do it for our college football and NFL podcast for this week. Again, we'll be back. We're probably going to start doing it what day, probably once a week now, just combine the NFL and the college football into one. So it'll be a one-stop shop here. Again, if you want to find any of our content, you can find me on Twitter at Rowdy underscore Razor, or you can find Dave at Dave underscore S or some of his work at pregame.com. Again, just want to tell you to, to please download listen, share, subscribe, do all those good things with the Winner's Take podcast. And we'll be back here next week, next Thursday, for another episode of Winner's Take. But until then, let's continue to win some money. The Winner's Take is your podcast for everything gambling at MadCitySportsZone.com, in the Zone app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen, rate, subscribe. Subscribe.